high time now for our tune of the week. One, let's go. This is the Media Industry Guru Show, the show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV, and tech. We're online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. Hey, Caitlin, welcome to the Media Industry Guru Podcast. Very excited to have you on and looking forward to hearing about your musical adventures, especially within entertainment and hearing your artist background. Hi, Forbes. Thanks for having me. So what got you interested in a career in music? Tell us a little bit about your background, any mentors, influencers, etc. Uh, I started right after college. Um, I was told by my high school teachers, or one of them in particular, not to go to school for music because I would never you know, clear any auditions or make any money at it. So he literally said, go to school for your brain, which I did. Um, I trusted that. (laughs) And I got a bachelor of arts degree and, you know, I minored in karaoke. That's what I I tell people (laughs) because I was still, I saw the performance bug, you know. Um, And then shortly after getting the degree in sociology and psychology, um, I, picked up a guitar and started learning how to write songs and cover songs. And I figured out that I could make some money playing around. And uh, three years later, I was able to quit my day job. And here we are. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. So tell us a little bit more about like genre music uh, growing up. I know you're a vocalist, but did you play any instruments kind of in line with your vocals or tell us a little bit about the genre and as well? Um, I, I guess like the nineties was always my influence. That's like okay. how I grew up. It was the mm-hmm. Atlanta set, the Cranberries, Natalie Merchant, Ooh. Jewel, all those, you know, power, Melissa Etheridge. How do you, how do we forget Melissa Etheridge? These powerhouse mm-hmm. female vocalists um, mm-hmm. who all, yeah, accompanied themselves in their music videos and it was just always um you know something i would practice to and then i got to college and i would have these dorm room boys learn these songs for me and then it just got to a point where it's like i'm sick of asking the boys <laughs> to accompany me i want to learn how to do this myself so yeah. I, I taught myself to play guitar uh, a little bit later in life than than a lot of the musicians that i know and when you were in school, I know you said you didn't really study music. You did a little bit of karaoke, uh, yeah. but uh, what um, when you studied in college, what were some of the skills that you learned either business-wise or professional-wise that kind of transferred uh, to your career as an independent artist? Um, with the Bachelor of Arts and you know, psych and sociology and even Spanish, it was more about connecting with people on a deeper mm-hmm. level or, you know, groups of people, sure. um, how to, really, you know, convey a message or make somebody feel heard even when I'm not the one listening, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, like just uh, compassion and relation and just that real human level connection and, Got it. you know, the weed helps a lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that makes sense. Sometimes like majors, they might not seem to align with a profession, but I feel like every single major can. Um, but it just like depends. Um, obviously, probably not chemistry with music, but I mean, there's probably <laughs> some chem chemical elements that maybe align oh, with sure. shading notes Absolutely. or something. <laughs> we could think of something. Um, yeah, we'll see the left brain person interview. <laughs> They'll make it all make sense. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit more about some of the biggest venues you played. Any memorable experiences? Tell us any tour experiences, if so, or where you played East Coast, West Coast, South. Yeah, I mean, early on, I got to play a pretty big festival in Western Massachusetts called the Green River Festival. And mm. uh, like Nora Jones Band was on that bill the same day that I played. Uh, Trombone Shorty. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty memorable, very memorable. Uh, I played with my band and that was when I only had one album out. <laughs> and then I moved to New York City. I moved to New York City that year and that was uh, a while back. And, you know, I started playing some pretty iconic venues like The Bitter End mm. and Arlene's Grocery. Um, uh, recently, a few years back, I played the Cutting Room and uh, the Rockwood Music Hall. You know, most recently and earlier. I mean, there's... Wow. a lot of iconic. Uh, like they're like some of them range from like small mom and pop venues in New York um, on the Lower East Side, and some of them range from like mid size to big. Um, and that's pretty cool being able to have that experience both in the New York landscape and then being able to um, perform at a big festival with a lot of impressive artists. Do you have any uh, memorable takeaways or highlights, like anything that you learned that you still use to this day from that? I don't know. I, I play a lot of really small venues. Um, that's been, you know, how I make a living. And when I get to play the bigger stages, I know I find a lot more energy comes out and a lot more um, there's just like the side of my personality that is it just it's very it's very different than mm -hmm. my my typical gigs um, but really at the end of the day like I just love performing and you know just staying true to myself staying humble staying um, level you know people are people yeah. you know whether you're in a dive bar or whether you're on a stage, you know, like mm -hmm. we're all just kind of like spinning on this rock together. And, you know, I'm just really grateful to be able to do what I love mm -hmm. anywhere. And also um, while being an independent artist, I think you mentioned in your bio that you work in the music entertainment business. Tell us a little bit more about that and kind of how that connects with being an independent artist. So I make a living as a professional musician. And what that means is I play a lot of covers and bars. And um, it's not just, you know, sitting in the corner and being background music. I really try to connect with the people who go out of their way to spend money in an establishment, mm. um, looking for an atmosphere that takes them out of like what their day to day is. So mm -hmm. if I, you know, see a group of people that, you know, maybe they're a little older than me, you know, then I can reach into my Stones, Beatles, uh, Cat Stevens repertoire and just like bring them back, you know, and then I have like these throwbacks that 
aren't as top 40. And then I also have a lot of originals that I throw in that, you know, stylistically I can just, you know, adapt to who my audience is. Sure. And those shows, they're like usually about three hours at a time. And, wow. you know, at the end of them, like, so I'm bringing all my equipment and, you know, it's, <laughs> it's really a lot of work. Like I'm driving around New York City in a 2006 hatchback. You must be exhausted and, after. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, like the speaker weighs 38 pounds and I have to lift it over my head twice, you know, <laughs> to get it, and get it back down. And, you know, there's stands and there's all these wires and mm. I got to do all the sound and adjust all the levels and everything and just make sure that it's not too loud for the bar or it's mm. not too muddled or too quiet. Um, and that people are still able to, you know, carry on their conversations or, you know, just peaceful bar activities depending on what's going on or if it's a nice big rowdy crowd i can just crank it up and be like here's all those 90s hits that you love so much <laughs> dance <laughs> um and then also on top of like juggling being this independent artist performing at these day bars going to these uh popular smaller venues in new york city you also just released an album called inevitable tell us a little bit more about that and kind of what the building process and building blocks were on that um so inevitable was a little like brain project that happened right after this huge breakup that happened in my life um i really had to like start over and you know, I had a lot of the songs written um, and then there were some older songs that I like kind of brought back to life and then there were some newer songs and they all just like had an element of like transformation about them. So I decided like, oh, I don't want to release singles. I don't want to release an EP. Like this is going to be my third album. Sure. You know, I really, I, I want to have space on my little shelf up here <laughs> to have three and you know it's not going to be the last one but it certainly is going to like complete this like trilogy um and i found some really important players that not only were you know very like incredible musicians and you know the producer team and everything but you know it's just it just to be on that level of like performance where mm -hmm. you know i don't have to train anybody i don't have to you know, work with anyone until it sounds right. Like people, these people, like I just give them enough money and they know exactly what to do and how to sound. And it was just, it felt really good to like be on that level mm -hmm. of professionalism. I actually like recently mm -hmm. this summer got to hand this record to Lisa Loeb. Ooh, that's pretty impressive. And she pointed to the bass player in the liner notes and was like, oh, Mike, Mike Viseglia. Oh, I know Mike. Yeah, we worked together a long time ago. And, <laughs> he wasn't like even the only connected person like in my my group that knew her there were other people like in mm. my peripheral circle so it just like really made me feel like okay maybe i'm on a path here maybe you know this isn't a coincidence yeah it's weird like you start to learn like the music industry it's so big because you think the world is filled with population of 8 billion people but it's very small and a niche community that knows one another it's incredible because really like the city is like the biggest city in the world. Yeah. In LA, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But okay. I've been living in New York, but I agree. It's one of the biggest cities in the country. It's one of that. It's what like you want, you turn on the TV and it's either in LA yeah. or it's in New York, you know, like I'm from <laughs> Boston. 
I'm like, I see some stuff happening in Boston. Like, okay, get out of here. Beautiful <laughs> <laughs> city. We're over here. But, you know. Um, and then you know you, you get out enough times and you realize like, oh, we're all just neighbors. We're all just like living here and we want to live here. And, um, we're all just doing the same things and we're mm-hmm. just you know advancing as as much as we can in our careers or like sure. at whatever pace we are. Um, but at the end of the day, like we're all putting our heads down and falling asleep. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just really cool to like be here, feel like I'm on a path and connect with people like who had the yeah. accomplishment or on the way, you know. Mm-hmm. No, that's pretty impressive and uh, cool how like, just like all these like dots of connections could lead to like the gold star. Um, any, are there any um, tips or tricks speaking of that, that, you want to share in terms of like your career people that aspire to be in your shoes as an independent artist that um does gig to gig goes to venue to venue performs at bars any recommendations or pointers that you learned don't be an asshole (laughs) don't you know just like don't have that's a big one (laughs) don't act like you know you're the most amazing most talented person in the world because Mm -hmm. it's just so transparent when people are like that and you know like nobody's just gonna like clear a path for you like you just have to be really nice to people and share your gift the way that you would want someone to share their gift with you it's you're no better than anyone else nobody you know so just be humble be cool um and always have something to offer someone who's not at your level like i used to and I'm I'm always on the hunt to try to find another open mic. I'm not really actively looking right now because I'm trying to get another album together and, you know, promote other stuff that I have going on. But for a long, long time, I hosted open mic nights. And to a lot of the people who, you know, even if they just came in playing a bunch of covers, I would say to them, like, you could do this. And all you have to do is, like, go buy a big speaker and, you know, talk to these places and a lot of them have gone on to like sure. take it to the next step. And like, I always feel really proud about that. So, mm-hmm. you know, like no one's going to help you if you're not willing to turn around and help somebody else. Sure. And then, you know, they're not expecting it. And then someone's going to turn around when you're not expecting it and help you with a leg up. And it's just a really positive community, you know, if you choose to partake. Yeah. So, yeah, those are great tips uh don't be rude don't have a cocky attitude don't be arrogant but also be willing to give back because it creates a symbiotic symbiotic relationship and you never know where any opportunity could lead for one another that's those are really good tips yes man yeah like there are things that you never Mm. like they sound so awful or they're just like oh that's stupid that's a waste of time like chances are there there's could be one person there that hears you and has yeah. an opportunity you know or at least like you make a really good friend out of it or mm-hmm. you know one time I went to this gig that was such a pain um and there was a woman in the back and you met her her name's Courtney Cloud and now she's my representation wow yeah you never know where uh the dominoes can lead exactly uh great so as we wrap up our episode, do you have any upcoming exciting endeavors that you'd like to share? Any other, um, I guess, no pun intended, any other notes um, coming up or um, any other 
projects as we wrap up our episode? I do. So, uh, I mean, I am working on uh, some original stuff, but that's like kind of really deep in the works. Uh, right now, I am just finishing up a project with TRO Essex. That's where Courtney works. Um, it's a publishing company in New York City and they're doing their 75th anniversary where they're reimagining some of their most popular songs that they have in their A&R. Mm. I was assigned three to cover, a song by the Moody Blues, Tuesday Afternoon, a song by Charles Aznavour, Yesterday When I Was Young, and a song by Ralph McTell called Streets of London. And I got together with a producer named Andrew Adams and we, got all these musicians together and we got wow. into the studio and just pumped out these covers and they paid me to do it. And they're, they're <laughs> like, great. I signed a contract that said there's royalties on the back end. Um, if you know, it gets published for sync, which is really cool. It's like the, one of the like coolest <laughs> music industry things that I've, I've done to date. And yeah, those are going to be released pretty soon. And we're going to start like collaborating on a social media. Um, wow. What a cool opportunity. Yeah, it was a really cool opportunity. Courtney hooked me up with it. And yeah, it, it was work for hire. And she just said it very casually, but I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this is this is real. And it turns out to be like this record label that they're launching oh, cool. called Seamus Records. And I, I'm not gonna be signing to the label. I, I kind of want to stay independent through Courtney for a while. Um, but you know, to be affiliated with it. Yeah, that's impressive. And it's a great start yeah. um, to uh, the new year, especially since it just started. <laughs> exactly. And my my gig schedule has been a little bit quiet. Like the city usually quiets down in the wintertime. So it's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I'm hired to do this. And we just wrapped the project uh, like a week, less than a week ago. Wow. And like, I already signed the contract. So that checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah when the checks come in the mail for anything like sync <laughs> licensing royalties i'm assuming for artists it's just so rewarding like it the getting those checks in the mail from the dsps or just the publishing mm -hmm. opportunities or licensing so hopefully you know <laughs> if anything it was work for hire it was a great experience to be able to work with andrew adams in the studio but also you know, like, what if this does take off, like ignition somewhere down the line, I'm not gonna, you know, bank on it, but it would be really cool. Yeah, <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> well, thank you, Caitlin, for being on the podcast, wishing you great success. It seems like you're on the high right now with the 2024 year and wishing you all the best uh, for upcoming gigs and hope to see you uh, perform in New York. I hope so too. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Media Industry Guru podcast. Check out the Instagram at Media Industry Guru for all the details on the latest and coolest, I mean coolest, upcoming episodes that you will here. Email at media industry guru podcast at gmail.com for any other interviews that you would like to hear or if you would like to be on the air and give a little promo or talk about yourself or just even chat with me because you know I'm I'm doing this. I'm invested in this. And tune in weekly 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays on the Anchor app, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and many more streaming platforms. Thanks again for all of the support and peace out and let's rock and roll.